Hi, welcome to the More Than A Woman podcast. My name is Sarah Robb. And I'm Tracy Dean Powell. Today we're joined by Katie Neves. She's founder of Call To Be Trans and works as an advocate for trans acceptance and helps to better the lives of those who are trans. Welcome, Katie. Oh, thanks, Tracy and Sarah. Lovely to be with you. Going back to um, when you were saying uh, of uh, feeling confident with the the clothes you're wearing and, uh, and and how you're looking. How important is your body image, Katie? It's really important because it, it, it was, you know, basically when when I previously I was cross-dressing and everything, when I took those clothes off, you know, and went to bed, I was stuck with this male body mm. and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. And so... Yeah, my body image is very important to me. Yeah, and and, so and that, you, you've obviously and that, sorry. And that was the point. Obviously, when when my gender dysphoria increased, um, you know, dramatically, and and uh, and then I went on this whole journey of discovery to discover um, my true gender identity, and I finally admitted it to myself. Um, and you know, I had to do something about it, and and it was it wasn't about clothes. It was it was about bringing my body into alignment with who I really am and so you're confident are you because I'm just a lot of women particularly going through menopause um they start to stack on a little bit of weight (laughs) and and struggle with everything um and so it's it's interesting you know how do you um you know you must, must feel really confident in your 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 body and how you look um and that's something different women you know going through the menopause struggle with sometimes would you agree Sarah with that um yeah I don't think it's down to the menopause I think I think men and women suffer with body image and and I don't think it's necessarily to do with how much weight you've put on or you don't put on I think I think it is all down to your self-confidence and your self-esteem about how you are feeling and and and, you know that menopause you know is a, is a massive I am a massive advocate for for the menopause and, and I, I don't think it's necessarily just that I think it, it is part of that time in life that you, you, everything's going on and your body's changing and therefore that is affected um but yeah I think it can come at any time of life that you you don't feel great about your body or your self-esteem and I think you know it's how how all of us can build our self-confidence and our self-esteem to feel good about ourselves and and with you Um, Katie you you actually had surgery didn't you I did yeah yeah so it was I mean not not for my weight I mean my weight in terms of I mean I have put on weight recently I um I was at my thinnest actually when I was going through a particularly acrimonious divorce which was actually when we first met wasn't it Tracy Mm -hmm. that I was going through that and as you know what everything I've been through it's been hell and I think when I was going through that stress that's when I lost a lot of weight and but that's ironically when my body looked at its best in terms of my weight and then Mm. uh, but since since then I've become so much happier and content and 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 I've put the weight on but also that happens with the HRT that I'm on as well that Mm. that that um piles on the pounds as well but I did have surgery I've I've had breast surgery so I've had breast augmentation surgery so with the the hormone treatment I'm on I was growing my own breasts and 
I did get some small breasts, but they weren't in proportion with my torso. And so uh, I'd hoped that I would get enough breast growth with my HRT to um, that I wouldn't need surgery. But um, along with the other sort of 60% of trans women, I didn't get enough. And so it's not because I wanted massive boobs. I just wanted them to be in proportion. Yeah. And so, so I had breast augmentation surgery. And I, so I had that done in April last year. And I'm so glad I did it. It's, it's been such a confidence boost. It's great. So, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I love my boobs. They're great. <laughs> and um, will you be having uh, further surgery? Are you going to be looking at maybe cosmetic surgery or Botox? Or uh, what, what are you? Is this a, an ongoing journey now? Do you think with surgery, or, or are you just happy with um, what you got? I feel very lucky that I don't feel the need to have any facial mm. feminization surgery. I mean, lots of my friends have got like square jaws or protuberant heads or bigger noses and stuff like that, and which are more masculine features. And luckily, I haven't got that, and so mm. I feel very, very blessed <laughs> that I'm. I don't feel the need for that, but I will be having uh, lower surgery, um, so gender reassignment surgery, so you know, gender confirmation surgery, um, to my genitals. So that's that. But I'm still on the waiting list for that. That's it's a very long journey. So that was going to go back to that actually about from when you you went to Rutland Water and the mm-hmm. moment of discovery didn't quite happen as you thought it was going to. Nobody spoke to you. The uh, none of Tracy's characters from her book came out and and had a bit of a chat with you. <laughs> what is the process from that point to where you are today? Okay. Because obviously you've spoke about being on HRT. That's not something you can just go out and and buy. You know, a lot of us <laughs> would love to be able to do that, but that's you know something that we we you, you can't do. So how what happens next as such? Okay. Um. How how far do you want me to rewind? Do you want me to go back to from the point that I had counselling or? Yeah. So I think for me it's that interesting bit, isn't it? That I think if somebody's listening, whether they are intrigued like I am or somebody that's maybe has the same thoughts as you what what do they do what happens next what do you do next okay well I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll just finish that bit of the story of yeah how I discovered my true gender identity so so I've been to this um this 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 counsellor and and at the time I thought that I was gender fluid and I realized now why I thought that and that was my fear of admitting to myself that I was a transgender woman that was making me hang on to any bit of masculinity that I had but I didn't just stop there at the same time I was doing that I was working my way through a self-help workbook called you and your gender identity it's a brilliant book it's written by a gender therapist from the states called Dara Hoffman Fox there's a lot of work involved it took me about two months to work my way through it by the time I got to about three quarters of the way through the book it became obvious that I wasn't gender fluid I was in fact a transgender woman so when I had two conclusions they were different what can I do now? I thought, I'll I'll send a text back to the clairvoyant just to see if she can shed any light on the matter. I don't know what else to do. So I sent a text back to to her and she sent a text back to me. She said, that's funny. I was expecting your text. No, she didn't. That was just a cheap joke. I was going to say, (laughs) really? I was just reeling you in there. I just like, you were hanging on every word. (laughs) Do you know, but worryingly thing was, right, if you'd have carried on with that, I'd have believed you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't buy a car off this woman, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, anyway, she 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 um she invited me along for what she called a vision quest session, 
And what that is, it's a four hour interactive process, a really long session. And during that session, she uses techniques such as deep meditation and um, uh, yeah, to, things like just to allow you to get into a really relaxed um, state so you can get past all your fears and access your inner truth. And I went along for that session on the 11th of January 2018. It's a date I'll never forget. And during that session, she didn't give me any answers at all. She just asked me a series of questions. It was question after question after question after question. It was relentless. Now, whether she got the question from spirit or not, I haven't got a clue. But she allowed all the answers to come from me and from my inner truth. And it was at the end of that session that I admitted to myself that I am a transgender woman and that I need to change my body. And that was the point that I really felt female. And I really felt that Martin had stepped back and Katie had taken over. Um and you know so now after all three different approaches you know i had discovered my true gender identity you know so what now what you know what was i going to do with this yeah because these you know i had a happy home life i had a successful business and you know could i put all of that in jeopardy just for this new piece of information mm. on the other hand could i go back to living as i was before with this new piece of information eating up my head me and i didn't think i could because uh, the thing is once you know your true gender identity you, you can't unknow it you know that particular genie just wasn't going back in the bottle um and so um i think i didn't want to be trans no one does is it invariably involves a lot of loss pain and heartache as well as dealing with prejudice and bigotry along the way no one you know no one chooses to be trans the only choice you have is whether you do anything about it or not mm. um and the the research that i did showed that most trans people who decide to transition after the initial loss pain and heartache and bumpy journey along the way usually go on to lead happy and contented lives whereas many trans people who decide not to transition they're the ones that often sadly that end up in a spiral of depression or, mm. or often worse and so um the urge to live my truth was just so overwhelmingly strong so i just had to do this thing i just had to face it head on and, and do it you know um and um so my next challenge was to tell my wife about it and that was the hardest thing i've ever had to do. Mm. No, actually the hardest thing i've had to do was admit to myself I was trans the next hardest yeah. thing was to tell my wife about it um and suffice to say it went down as badly as you'd expect and, and i should point out that the that sexuality and gender are two completely separate entities and they're not linked so um so in my case um uh, i've always been attracted to women and i still am it's been one of the constants in my life it's just that for me yeah it's changed so previously i was labeled as a heterosexual man now i'm labeled as a lesbian it feels no different to me i'm just attracted to women you know it just feels as it always has done but for for my wife her label hadn't changed she was still attracted to men so there was a problem there was a mismatch yeah. we tried counseling but unfortunately that didn't work so very sadly that meant the end of my second marriage so even though we've been together for a long time it was a very short marriage um but then the next dilemma i had was what to do about the name of my photography and video business because i'd named it after my old male name martin it's called martin Lee right. photography and film but it had been an established brand for 22 years and i just felt that and I got loads of great reviews that were all referring to Martin. And I felt it was just impossible to take Martin out of the business completely. So I, what I decided to do was treat it purely as a brand name, but detach myself from the brand. So instead of being mm. Martin from Martin News Photography and Film, I'd be Katie from Martin News Photography and Film. Uh, but in order to do that, I had to come out very openly and very honestly and very publicly as being transgender and continue to do that. So I, I made a coming out video. And I sent it to all my clients and I put it on all my social media, you know, go big or go home. I was going to say go big or go home. That's, that's... Well, it was just, yeah, I was petrified. I remember now my finger nervously hovering over the mouse, knowing as soon as I make that click to make the video live, my life would never be the same again. Did you look for the recall button? Well, <laughs> yeah, I think once it's out there, it's out there. 
and and I was I was absolutely anyway. I, I clicked the mouse and, and I waited, but then I had to go out on a job. My mind wasn't on the job at all. I took the photos as quickly as I could, but I couldn't wait to get back to see what was happening on Facebook because that was the first one I put it on, mm-hmm. and I needn't have worried because I was inundated with hundreds of messages of support. It was amazing. I felt so loved. You know, I didn't do any work mm-hmm. for three old days because I, I was so busy replying to all the lovely messages of support yeah. I had. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and then I started vlogging my whole story and I, uh, and, um, uh, and um, you know, to do two things. One is to reach out to other trans people to let them know that it's okay to be trans because it mm. really is okay to be trans. Yes. And then also to, um, to, to educate everybody else, bring everybody else on the journey with me, demystify the whole process, make it accessible, just show them that trans people are just ordinary people who want to be happy. And that's it. That is what it is. You know, we, we, we are just boringly ordinary people who have just had extraordinary journeys in order to be happy that's it we're not a threat to anybody we just want to be happy mm. so i started vlogging my journey then I, and my story got picked up in the local media and i started doing interviews for local radio and local newspapers and then it escalated and i started doing interviews for national newspapers and magazines national radio television and all of a sudden i've become this trans ambassador or gobby trans woman as i prefer to call myself yeah. and you've and actually that, won a, and you've actually won awards now katie haven't you yeah, I've been very fortunate actually because I, I went on to form Cool to Be Trans to do trans awareness mm. training and inspirational speaking, and through the work that I do with that, yeah, I, I've won quite a lot of awards this year. The, the big one this year, I, I won the um, British Diversity Awards Hero of the Year Award. Oh, and, congratulations! Uh, thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. I won quite a few others as well, but that was that was the big one. I'm so yeah. I was in such shock when I when they read my name. It was twenty five thousand people entered that. It was just incredible. Wow. Um, yeah, amazing. Uh, I was. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, so is that one of your proudest moments career-wise? Yeah, cause... absolutely, 100%, 100%. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when they when they read my name out. And I, There was this posh dude down in London, there was about 1,000 people there, loads of celebs, and and uh, of course you go in there, they're plying you with loads of champagne as soon as you walk through the door, and so, like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and loads of wine on the tables and everything. And of course, they do the awards after you've had all that, after you've consumed all this. And I had, you know, written this acceptance speech on the you know on the off chance i had one i knew i was on the short list of 12 um so i knew there was one in 12 mm. chance of it and then um they came onto the to this you know the hero of the year category and then they read out the name of the the runner-up and it wasn't me so i thought okay well it's, it's all or nothing now isn't it yeah and then they started reading out the biography of the winner and i thought did you recognize it well, right? i recognize that because yeah. i wrote it because it was my bio yeah but i know that and I didn't like to believe in it. I sort of tentatively reached down for my acceptance speech and I had my hand over my mouth. I thought, I can't believe this. And I really didn't believe it until they actually read my name out. Because then then I had to go up on stage and and, and deliver this acceptance speech in, in front of all these, you know, that, you know over a thousand people and the celebs having drunk rather a bit too much alcohol. But That's I only right. swore once, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah. They didn't drag you off, did they? Going, oh my they God, didn't. Been, they didn't. she's been on an hour. Let's get her off. I know, yeah. Most people do. I do talk a lot, of you, as you've just found out. This is going to be really hard editing this podcast. Good luck. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> and has it opened more doors for you now then, Katie, winning that oh, award? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, the awards definitely help with that sort of thing. Um, people do take notice more, and, um, definitely. Mm. Um, no, they're a really good thing. And, and, and yeah, people do take notice of awards. You know, they like to... Yeah, it's a recognition in that, um, what's the word um trying to think i'll come back to it I'll, yeah i can't think of the yeah, word. It's, menopausal brain it's um, a bit of 
kudos isn't it that, that yeah yeah from, definitely from, from so going location. back to call to be trans hmm. so do you still do the photography or is that has that all transitioned now what well, I, how I does it all work i've still got the photography business but i don't do much photography i do a bit mm. so it t- tends to be for clients who know what i do that's what i do and so i yeah. do it so um so i do a bit but i don't do much really and i haven't promoted it for the last five years to be honest so it's just it's ticking over in the background really but most of my work now is with cool to be trans and i absolutely love it i speak to organizations all over the world doing this now and so i, I was going to say what is that business what does that do what do you do so I do I do trans awareness training and inspirational speaking, and uh, so I speak to organisations you, know, you know to do this to to you know it could be that they just want an inspirational speaker at a conference for instance, and, mm. you know they um and and so when I do my talks and training I put a lot of humour in because I think it's important to break down yeah. those barriers because it's a subject that many people are frightened of and so I, I just I just want to show that we're just human beings like everybody else we're just ordinary people and we want to be happy and. And have you found recently there seems to be, so I work in the corporate world during the day, that Mm. there is a massive push over the last couple of years to really, for businesses to become more inclusive and diverse and to have policies in place and to really be businesses that are welcoming to everybody. Have you seen that, are you seeing more of that happen and then businesses want to make that change? definitely although some businesses are further on on that journey than others Mm. but as long as they're on that journey that's fine some of them are still at the the box ticking stage where they want to sort of tick a box and just sort of say oh yes look you know we we had this trans person on give a talk that you know that that's right well we've done the trans thing for this year that's all right we can put put them we've written a policy we can crack on now exactly yeah and so you have all this sort of rainbow washing or pink washing you know where they just you know it's a yeah, they, they they wheel a trans person out on Transgender Day of Visibility or Trans Awareness Week or something, or a, a, a gay person or a lesbian, uh, you know, out on you know during uh, Pride Month or whatever. And yeah, it needs to be all year round. And it needs to be. Managed. What do you feel needs more to be done for businesses? Oh, for businesses, absolutely, trans awareness training it needs to be mandatory. It, it, you can start off with it being voluntary to begin with, just and, and get an engaging speaker in to begin and. And I mean, I do quite a lot for the NHS. And, and so to begin with, um, the first few sessions weren't very well attended because they were voluntary and they weren't particularly well attended to begin with. But then word spread. People realised mm. that actually it's a really, it's a fun session. It's an informative session. You'll have a good laugh as well. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a difficult watch at all, but you'll be really engaged and you'll learn an awful lot. And people really responded so well to it. And then they were telling their colleagues and now, you know, I get really, really good turnouts for these things. But that's the way you do it to introduce it into a, into an organisation. But then after a while of doing that, then you just say, right, it's mandatory now. And everybody, and, and it's part of your onboarding process. You know, everybody, every new starter there has to go through this, you know. And, and, and things businesses have realised that it's actually good for business as well because, you know, it, you, you, not only are they looking after their staff, but they're also clients as well because clients are going to be trans as well. And, and 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 so you're just being much more inclusive is so much more important to people now um, but also you get that better you get a more diverse working environment you know the people there and with different views and i think that absolutely helps build a more positive and better business 
yeah. And there was a there was a survey recently that showed that um, LGBTQA plus people are thirty two percent more productive when they're comfortable being out mm. at work. Well, what's not to like about that? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. win. It's, it's about it's being your true self, isn't it? You it's know, a win. It's everybody a win needs employees. to be able to be the true self at, yeah. wherever they are in life. And it's a win for the employer because they get more out of them. Right. I mean, it's, it, and it makes good business sense, mm. and it really does. So, and and thing is that. When you look at advertising now, advertising is getting much more diverse now, and 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 so advertising, you know, these companies they they wouldn't do that if it, if it wasn't right for their bottom line. Mm. They know that it makes the money by by doing that, and so they know which way that it's going. And so these the, the media and the politicians that are going in the opposite direction and, and who are being very anti-trans, they're actually going in the wrong direction and and, and going against what the, the majority of the public are going. The majority of the public are inclusive. Why do you think Does they it, are doing that? Sorry, Sarah. So why do you think? Well, you've just said it, with a politician, you know, going in the, the the opposite direction. Why? Well, for politicians, it's this smokescreen, isn't it? Mm. They, they want to divert attention away from the complete pig's ear they've made of, the, of running the country. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that's 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 why they're doing it. But in terms of the media, the media generally is very right wing and 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 traditionally has been very anti trans and and you know stuck in their ways on this and, and that's how that's how it is and it's, it's all a lot of it's come as well over from the states a lot of very christian evangelical from the states of coming over and and with a lot of money and funding a lot of the anti-trans hate groups and that's where a lot of it's come from it, it's it's really it's a really serious problem does it annoy you to see in advertising or how do you feel i'll re-question that how do you feel when you you see advertising that may that you think oh that's just ticking a box you um, know if, if can you tell if an advert or a marketing has been done just to tick a box or they really there is a there is a proper reason you know that they are properly trying to be inclusive does that make sense i think it's difficult to tell really because i suppose the only way of knowing is what else is that company doing mm. If you only see that advert, you can't really tell. If you then get to know that business and you know what they are doing, I'll give you a good example of really good practice. Virgin Atlantic, absolutely yeah. brilliant. I don't know if you've seen the adverts they've yes. got. For yeah. So basically, they've got a, a staff uniform policy where they they've got a whole range of of, of clothing that they can that the staff can wear, and it's all on brand. So it's all branded up. So it's all all within the corporate colours and everything, and people can choose. So it's the choices of skirts trousers blouses shirts you know jackets everything the works you know and people can choose and regardless of their gender they can choose whatever they feel most comfortable wearing and that is the way to go because so many Mm. companies enforce a um a unisex uniform policy but then the unisex basically just goes down to more masculine clothing yeah and so it's not really yeah it doesn't really yeah whereas the best way is doing what virgin atlantic has done saying look here's the uniform but you pick whatever you want from it that's the range yeah. you can pick from and that's what they do and so and then they have they've, they've got the adverts that they've followed up just to show how they include it and they absolutely are i think virgin that is that is best practice it really is so i think if it, all companies were like virgin atlantic it'd be a really good thing so we've spoken about businesses and what in the corporate world going back to i'm thinking of families and what would your advice say be to me or to any other parents out there if they um if they were like your mum and caught their child cross-dressing or if their child comes to them and says can we have a chat what how 
what what should I do or what should parents do or guardians do? You should listen to them and just let them be. Let them be themselves and they'll work it out for themselves. And if it's right for them, it's right for them. You, you have no, nothing to worry about in terms of you know, surgeries or anything happening to children. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. In the media, they say, as it happens, it doesn't happen. There's a huge long waiting list to get seen at gender clinics anyway. And when it does happen, um, un under the age of 16, uh, no surgery happens anyway. And 16 is the age of consent with the mm. NHS anyway. So nothing happens under that. So all that happens is that, um, well, in fact, they have a battle to get that. And generally, they're not getting it. But you have um, puberty blockers. Yeah. All, all that done, they are 100% uh, reversible. Um, and they've been given for many years to to cisgender. So that's non-trans kids who've got prepubescent, um, uh, yeah, sorry, precocious puberty. Yeah. So, so you know, early onset puberty, and right, all it okay. does is to, to delay that puberty. And so, what happens is they they give it to them, and if and as soon as they stop taking it, then the puberty starts. And so, and that's what they do with with trans kids. So they basically give it to them to, to delay them, and so to delay that the the the, 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 the decision making before mm. doing more permanent things of cross sex hormones. So that doesn't happen until until they're sixteen. So nothing happens so you know nothing that is reversible will happen and there's an awful lot of screening and everything and, and counseling and everything that goes on before then is they make it so difficult for trans kids they make it far too difficult for trans kids um they really do it's, it's horrendous and and to be honest at the moment that on the nhs they're not even getting the puberty blockers the only option now for trans kids and families of trans kids is to go to pay privately to get it so what's the waiting list then to see to be seen by one of these clinics it, just in the first place um it's about well, for, for trans kids it's about two to three years wow. which often then will take them past their puberty anyway mm. so too late uh for adults god it's anything between sort of three and seven years just to get a wow. first appointment Gosh. I, I waited three years to get a first appointment at an nhs gender clinic um but I was in the fortunate enough position. I was um, I was able to afford to go to a private gender mm. clinic. You can actually wait up to a year to be seen at a private gender clinic because the demand is so high. But luckily, I got um, uh, I got cancellation appointments. So because of that, I've been on hormone therapy now for five and a half years. Yeah. Um, but, so what um, support is there for 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 children and adults? Then, Katie, what what is out there for you know? Uh, is there counselling? Or... And, and I would also say from a parent's point of view, what support is there? Because I think parent, a lot of parents are, mm. I want, and by fix it, I need to be very careful how that's translated mm. in a, you a want to help that child, not I want to fix yeah. what gender you a lot, are. A lot do. A, a lot. Um, so I I, uh, I help quite a lot of parents. In fact, I, I probably help as many pa parents of trans kids as, as mm. I do trans people because a lot of trans people reach out to me for a bit of support um you know after but is there groups or books there or are there are helpline. i've got um if you go on to the support page of my website yeah so my website's called to be trans.co.uk and it's the number and we'll two make sure it's in the notes yeah as it's, well. the, it's the number two and the letter b in the middle yeah. of that so um but in, if you go onto the support page of that i've got lots of links so for 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 parents of trans children there's um there's a charity called mermaids and they're really good so they support trans kids and their families and there's also a support group there for 
parents of trans adults as well. Um, and there's also support groups for partners of trans people as well. So there are lots of support groups mm. in there. So, but that's probably the best way. If you go to the support yeah. page of the website, like I said. But, but what I the advice I'd give to parents of trans kids, if, you know, a child sort of come out to to parents and said, you know, that, that that they think they're they're a girl, or think they're a boy. You know, it's opposite to what they were assigned at birth. Um, just listen to them. Don't try and convert them otherwise, because it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible to convert someone to make someone be the gender that they're not so you can't convert them that's why conversion practices don't work and they mm. are so harmful and they are absolutely barbaric and they should be banned and they're still not banned the government keep making noises about it but then keep they keep putting in um, loop, massive loopholes and for for things like you know uh, religious uh, you know on, on religious grounds or consent well what happens is that when it's on religious grounds they make the people consent to it because if I was given the choice at the time I was struggling with it to, to, to say, well, I could be converted to, to not being to, to, to not being trans, I would sign it because mm. I didn't want to be, no one wants to be trans, but you, you, it's futile fighting it. And so I, I did some talks recently for a, a, you know, a group of, of, of parents of trans kids. And in the Q&A afterwards, one of the parents said to me, who was still really struggling with it, she said to me, well, how can I make my child stop doing this? And I just, and like, there's a sharp intake of breath from several of the other parents. And I just said, well, you're not going to like what I'm going to tell you now, but you can't. And it's futile trying, because if mm. you do, all you will do is you will make your child desperately unhappy, desperately unhappy. push them away, I suppose. And, 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 and then the, the chances of self-harm and, and suicide, mm. it will be very high. And also, you will push them away, and you will ruin your relationship with your child. So, most most parents want their kids to be safe, happy, mm. and healthy. That's what most people. That's what most parents want for their kids. So, have, have that in the for, forefront mm. of your mind first of all. Doing what's best for them is to let them be. Let them, you know, try some. If if it is a phase. They'll work it out for themselves because then they'll fit, so very soon realize it's not it's not the right thing for them, and that's fine, you know. But just let them let them be and let them try it, and then they'll find. And then you'll see. And usually, once they do let them be and let them be themselves and, and affirm their gender, they see their child come out of their shell. Because usually, what happens is that trans children just just go go into their shell and they're, they're just desperately unhappy, and they can see that they're desperately unhappy. You know, when your kid's unhappy. Mm. And then once they start being themselves and living their truth, you see them blossom and flourish. And it's such a beautiful thing to see. It really is. And you see, you know, and they come into their own and they become confident and happy. Well, what's not to like about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's it, isn't it? It's just about, you know, you just want the best for your child at the end of the day. And, you and I think, you know, I would say the majority of parents just want to support their children and they can i'm just conscious that a lot of us just want to help and go right let's crack on yeah, but, but often they do it they do it from a position of ignorance because they haven't educated yeah. themselves and, and they yeah. and they and they they sort of they, they all they've got is the reference of their own experiences in life and their own upbringing and and often that will come from you near know, they may well have bigoted parents or whatever or you know and, w- and what uh, about so, schools katie are schools doing as much as they can to to help children some are, yeah. I think a lot, a lot are. Um, but of course, we've got this this new schools guidance that's coming in from the from the uh, 
from the government, which is just horrendous, which is going to you know, force teachers to out trans kids to their parents, which is horrendous because so often if, if parents are really anti-trans, then that can put the children in danger. It is just really, really awful. Um, and often I didn't know about be, that. I'll have to go and read up about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and often the the uh, you know often the school can be the only safe place for kids, and so you know the kid you know the teacher should be one of the one of the places where the kids can go to talk to openly and 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 you know for some help and support. Oh, so how does the teacher know? Because unless that child's going, I know am. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, how yeah, would how would the teacher well, know? Well, because the child would go to them, and say, "Well, you know, um, you know, I, I identify as a girl or whatever, yeah. however, or as non-binary or whatever, and I'd like you to call me, this, uh, you know, this is my preferred name." And they they tell them that, and, and yeah. I suppose they then it does get. It's a weird one that one because isn't it? Because I, I get about that safety and not telling parents, but if you're asking that. If a child is asking to be said, be called Katie going forward, and there's communication going home, how do you then refer to that child on any communication that goes home? Well, you'd have to know whether the parents are, are supportive or not, and, and use it. So you talk to the child and you say, well, you know, are the parents supportive? Do they use that name for you or not? You know, and how confident? And you have that conversation with the child. Mm. Talk to the child. You know, child children need to be listened to. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like thinking like and, school and because, reports because, it, and... because it's fine if it's if if you've got a supportive family, then that's great. That's fine. That's how how it should be. But many trans children don't have support supportive mm. parents, and it's awful. It's really it, it's been it, it's absolutely horrendous for them. Are you finding it, there's an increase now happening, Katie, in in children in schools and um... yes, um, but not because there are more trans people or trans kids around i think it's just because of more open it, yeah. more open more information sharing you know just as the there was no internet when i was a kid now it's prolific and people are using your know, kids are using it and they they the information is out there and and because society is becoming more accepting and it's talked about more they they feel much in much stronger position to be able to accept it to themselves and, and admit it to themselves and to come out um whereas that that wasn't the case when mm. I was a kid. Mm. Yeah. You know, so that's why there's always been trans people ever since there's been people. There's not always mm. been the the medical advances to be able to help people transition, but they've always been trans. Whether you transition or not, you're still trans. Mm. You know? So yeah. there's always been trans people ever since there's been people. But there's just now more and more people feel um, in, enabled and emboldened enough to, to, to be able to do it. And do you think the more um, it's getting uh, accepted and talked about will that help uh with families because you know it, how do you know with trans people their families obviously uh, are in turmoil so, sometimes yeah it's really difficult for the families and and we have to we have to acknowledge that and we have to help them and i think you i think it's it's very difficult the, the hardest point is at the start of the transition because that's the point that when the trans people are their most vulnerable it's when they look, look at that they haven't had any advantages of, of having hormonal transition to an, or, or any surgery or anything to help them look how they want to look. So that that's that's so they're getting misgendered a lot because of that. Also, with the families that you know they've been used to calling them a certain name and a certain pronouns 
all their life up to, and then all of a sudden they have to change it and so all of a sudden the the, the, the trans sister or partner or, or a child or whatever comes to them and says um i'm i'm trans i'm, I'm going to start my transition i'm i want you to call me a new name i want to use, use new pronouns and and if you don't by the way i'm going to get very upset yeah it's really hard but because thing is that as trans people we've had gender dysphoria driving us on on our journey and that's what that's what makes us transition that's why we do it mm. and, and and we transition to be happy to, to alleviate the distress of the of the gender dysphoria but we've had that background of having gender dysphoria that's making us do this our loved ones haven't had that mm. you know, they, yeah they've come to this cold they've had no training yeah have, most people have no idea about this and all of a sudden they're presented with this and 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 knowing that, that, that their loved one's going to get really upset if they get it wrong and it's really hard for them really yeah hard. and it, and in a way i suppose in some circumstances they're expected to accept it straight away yeah without them also having a period of time it's of 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 accepting the change but also the loss of who who that person well, was well it's the, it's the perceived loss of that it's it's hmm. the, it's the it's the loss of the the image that they had of that person. They're still exactly the same person, mm. but they're just happier as the real selves. And so that's that. But it's a journey for them to go on. They go on a bereavement journey, really, because it does feel like a bereavement. It's a loss. It's mm. the loss of that image of that person that they've lost. But they haven't lost that person. They've still got that person, but they've got that happier person. <laughs> it's actually a yeah. positive thing. They, they're much better. Um I mean, Tracy, you didn't know me as I was Martin before, but you, mm. you've seen me right from the start of my transition. Mm. So you've seen you've seen how I've grown in this. And and I think you'll probably agree that I'm a lot happier than when oh, I was right. You're in, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it is about happiness. And you, when you, you see that person being that be happy and then and, and it takes a while to go for that process. You have to go through that grief process and whatever and, and then see that actually, yes, they are much happier and then that's when they're more likely to get it so often families do come around some never will i mean i lost my sister through it she's a, a very evangelical born again christian and mm. she doesn't want to know me now i had big problems with my mum through it my mum she's much better now but she's um the first time she saw me as the real me she rejected me i mean she's she lives down in kent and so i'm in leicestershire and i drove down there with my daughter because my daughter's acceptable she's brilliant yeah and, and um went down there and and, and um, my daughter went running in to see to see my mum and gave her a big hug and you know I expected the same I didn't go running in but I, accept, <laughs> I expected the same and I went to give her a big hug and she looked at me and said what's that it doesn't belong to me and she turned her back and walked away and wow. it, it, it was awful it was that it was a real low point in our relationship it was terrible mm. it, was, it was that rejection really hurt and um, but then over time She's got much better with it, and then she's she's got to the point of acceptance. But unfortunately, now she's got dementia, and so mm. she's got she's got Alzheimer's mm. disease. And she's in a care home now, and so now she's regressing. And so every day, cause I phone her every day. She's she's still down in Kent, and I phone her every day. And every day, without fail, she will misgender me and, and dead name me or call me Martin. Uh, but I know now that that's her Alzheimer's disease, mm. talking, and that's not my mum talking. And so and that's do you, the only her, way. do you allow it because it is dementia? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's because of the stress it will cause. Yeah. She, she's the only person who I allow to get away with that because mm. I know that it's the dementia to, talking and not her. Um, yeah, and, a horrible disease. And, and it is. It's, it's vile. Yeah. Um, but you know, our relationship is good now and it's strong. Um, mm. 
And do you think, like, when she originally rejected you, there it was because she was hurt. She was hurting more than it being out of a place of um, I think hate. Been... Hate's a strong word. I don't particularly like that word. Yeah, I but... don't know. It wasn't hate. It wasn't hate. Do you think I, it was I... just her, her, that was her her hurt coming out? I think there was a bit of hurt. There was a bit. Of, I mean, a lot. This is generational thing. You you, you got to remember. Mm. You, she, so she's, yeah, she she wasn't she was she wasn't brought up with any of this. She wasn't educated on it. Yeah. Um, she's religious as well. So there's that going on. And she, at the time, she had a very religious partner who was in her ear the whole time, who who called me abnormal and an aberration, which was nice of him. Um, so there was that going on as well. So I felt every time I went to see her, she'd taken several steps back because of, he was in her ear the whole time, uh, dragging her back. But then when I stayed with her, then she we'd take a few steps forward, but then the gap in between, she'd take those few steps back. Mm. And so it was like that. So, um, yeah, lots of different factors, I think, were behind it. If you could do anything differently from a, over the course of your journey, what, what, would it have, what would it be? I know we should never go, well, I wish I'd done it this way, because every, everything you do brings you to be the person that you are today is very much my belief. But if you could do anything differently, what, what would it be? What, what would it have been? I'd have a smaller gap between coming out and living full time as female because I, I came out publicly on the 26th of April 2018 and I started living full time as female on the 2nd of September 2014. So why uh, the gap? 14, 18, not 14. So what if you came 18? out, why did you, why was there a gap? Well, the gap was, so I'd already, I'd always planned to, um, uh, to 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 cut to start living full time early September two thousand eighteen just because of work and there's various different things that, that it was the right time for me so mm. I knew that that's when I wanted to do but then I I um just put the message into to some support groups with some other um, trans people saying well you know should I come out sooner rather than later because my original plan was to come out maybe a week or two before September and then just do it. Um, but they sort of said, no, you're better off coming out sooner rather than later, give people a chance to get their heads around it. So I did. I followed their advice, but I wish I hadn't now. Because what happened then, it, it led to those few months between April and, and uh, September 2018 of where people were really confused. So um, because I was still at things like business networking and doing my work as a photographer, you know, I'd be presenting as, as male. But then at home and everywhere else in public, I'd be female. And so people didn't know what to call me. Some people were yeah. calling me Martin. Some people were calling me Katie. Some people were calling me Matey. And then there was a lot of, hello, you. <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah. lot of that going on. How are it you doing? A, it was a very confusing time all round. And so, so yeah. if I'd had my time again, I'd have a shorter gap in between. But that's the only thing that I would do differently. I wouldn't do anything else differently. Oh, I think we're nearly coming to the end. I was going to say we have... Yeah. It's been, chatted away it's but... been amazingly good yeah and, and, and i've learned such a lot my daft questions as well so no no you're, honestly you know well you knew you knew you could ask me anything so that's i'm, I'm an open book <laughs> but we've got two questions before we go okay one is what is your favorite song okay oh god there's loads of songs i could think of but there's one that i particularly love it's um by kate rusby it's called underneath the stars i don't know if you know it it's lovely she's yeah. a great singer Yes, I like Go and look at that one. And, and then one finally, what are your three top tips for women? Right. Okay. So number one, believe in yourself. 
you know, don't don't give in to imposter syndrome. I know imposter syndrome. We all get it. I get it. Um, but you are enough and <laughs> believe it. Believe in yourself. So I think that's mm -hmm. the first one. Um, second one is don't worry about what other people or what you think other people think about you or how you look. I spent 48 years worrying about what other people thought about me. And then after 48 years, I realized people go, don't give a damn. They really don't care at all because everybody's in their own little bubble. We've all got our own worries going on and we're all going and to ourselves. Our world revolves around ourselves. You know, that is just human nature. And so nobody gives a damn about anybody else. It's just, you know, so don't worry about it. You know, um, so that that's and that was a big lesson that I felt. But it, and it's the same. It took me so long to to find that out. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is don't be afraid of failure, because the most successful people in life are the people who fail the most. They have the most failures. And the reason they have the most failures is because they're not afraid to try and they're not afraid to fail. So they give things a go. And if it doesn't work, then what? Okay, they move on, try something else. Don't be afraid to fail. They're brilliant they, they are so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for your time today. That has been amazing, Katie. Yeah, thank oh, you thank so you. much, Katie. Oh, it's lovely to see you both. Take care.